Hello. It's good to be with you in week two of our new series, which we've called Different. And we're looking at the first book or the first letter of Peter, found towards the end of the New Testament. Peter is writing to disciples of Jesus at a time when they're being persecuted. They are being hounded, they're vastly outnumbered, intimidated, suffering persecution, and it's about to get a whole lot worse. Peter himself writes this letter from Rome, where immense persecution of Christians is about to take off. He knows firsthand what it is to be living with the threat of persecution hanging over him and to suffer for having faith in Jesus. So he's really got a platform from which to write. And he writes this letter to encourage Christians to stand firm, to keep their eyes focused on Jesus, to hold on to the hope that they have in Jesus. It's a timely letter for us as Christians in the West, where although we're not being thrown to lions, we are, however, being increasingly hounded and we are vastly outnumbered. So this is a great letter for us to really get to grips with in our day and receive encouragement by what it says. So let's read together 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. What a fantastic passage. But what does it say to us today? Peter starts off by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. We all know what hope means, but it's actually quite difficult to truly define. We hope that all being well, we will be able to say goodbye to lockdown restrictions for good on June the 21st. That is a hope that I think we would all share. But it depends a lot on things happening or not in the future, which at this point in time, we cannot know for sure. We hope that the vaccination programme will be enough to keep this virus at bay. We hope that businesses will be able to remain open. 
We hope that our economy will start to recover. We hope that very soon we'll be able to gather together freely as a church and see each other. All that kind of thing. But all that hope is dependent on certain things happening in the future which we cannot know for sure will happen. But that is not the same as the hope that Peter is talking about. Peter is not talking about a cheery optimism. It's not a hope which is based on unknown facts in the future. This is a different hope altogether because it is a hope that is based on known facts in known history. As Christians, our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus, which has already happened. It is a, a living hope because it carries with it the message that God has triumphed over death. He lives and so we live. And our hope is a living hope. The hope that we have as Christians is a different kind of hope than any other because it isn't just optimism. It is based on a certain and sure fact. It is a hope that we have through, because of, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter goes on to say that not only do we have this living hope in us, which is different from any other kind of hope, but we also have an inheritance, which is different from any other type of inheritance. It's an inheritance that is an interesting thing. You know, there's essentially two types of inheritance. One is that you're aware of it, and the other is that you're not. Now, the first is that you may expect that one day you will be left an inheritance and you can put your hope in that. But as the years go on, sometimes that inheritance can be dwindled away. Maybe it has to be used for the cost of care or it can lose its value or you can find out that it isn't as great as you thought it was going to be. Or maybe what you thought was going to be yours has actually been left to somebody else. But it isn't an inheritance that you are aware of nonetheless. The other alternative is that you have an inheritance and you don't even know. Have you ever let your mind wander off into some flight of fancy and thought, I wonder if I've got a distant relative somewhere that I don't know about and one day I'll get a letter through the post from a solicitor telling me I've inherited a vast fortune. Or maybe it's just me that thinks like that sometimes. But I did used to watch a TV programme called Air Hunters. It was where people who owned property would die and a company had to search for the relatives in order that they might inherit this property. So many people didn't know that they had got an inheritance that was rightly theirs. They were just simply unaware of it. Sometimes they were found and it was a wonderful surprise, but sometimes they weren't. And it, I guess it was just left to the state. What a sad thing to think that you had an inheritance and you lost it because you never even knew it existed. It was there all the time, just for you. I have often heard evangelists talking about the desperate need that we have for forgiveness of sins, the free gift of salvation in Jesus, and the dangers of ending your life without having received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Some people think we talk too little about hell. Others think we talk too much about hell. But I don't recall ever hearing anyone saying, do you know that you've got an inheritance? Just saying to someone, do you know about your inheritance? Don't miss out on your inheritance. It's yours. It's waiting for you. Claim it. Don't miss out.
maybe those of us who love and serve Jesus ought to start thinking of ourselves as air hunters. And Peter goes on to say that this inheritance that we have in Jesus is different from any other kind of inheritance. It won't devalue. It won't ever be less than we're expecting. And we aren't missing out because we don't know it exists. And what's more, it's kept safe for us, waiting for us in heaven. Do you remember Jesus saying in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our inheritance, our treasure, is kept safe in heaven. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We know, don't we, that life does not always run a smooth course. We do face trials and tribulation in this life. Jesus himself told us that would be the case. None of us like to face trials. Suffering is not something that we would ever yearn for. But actually, we can learn a lot about ourselves and we can learn a lot about God when we face trials and hardship. Things that we would never have learnt if life had just been trouble-free decade after decade. Peter says that these trials will prove that our faith is genuine. He likens it to being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. I had a look online to see how you test to see if gold is really gold or whether it's just a fake. One of the ways is to put it in a fire, a fire of incredible temperature, to subject it to some serious heat. A real gold will come through that fire. Anything that isn't real won't withstand the heat and will be revealed for what it really is. Peter says that our faith is worth so much more than gold. I've got a wooden door at home which has got a small wooden doorknob screwed into the wood and it kept falling out and so I bought some super glue. It wasn't actually super glue, it was just glue that was supposed to be super. And I put the glue on the end of the screw of the doorknob and I screwed it back in. I waited till it dried and then I pulled on it to test it. Now I didn't pull on it in the hopes that I would be able to pull it out. I pulled on it in the hopes that it would withstand me pulling on it and so prove that it was indeed a super glue. It looked okay. It looked like a solid doorknob on a solid door, but there was no way I could tell until I applied some pressure. I wanted it mended. I wanted it to be fixed. I wanted it to be strong, but I had to pull on it to see. I wonder if sometimes we misunderstand the place of suffering in our own lives. What I mean by that is that I know there are people who think that if they believe in God and believe in Jesus, his son, and read their Bibles and go to church, then their lives should be trouble free. They should in some way be rewarded for their faith. And then when suffering, or as we read here, all kinds of trials occur, they interpret it as though God were letting them down or even worse, wanting to punish them for something. But I think Peter here is reassuring the believers that God is not sending trials to punish them, 
but in actual fact, by coming through these trials, it assures them that their faith is genuine. We can all be fair-weather believers. It's easy to believe in God when everything in your life is hunky-dory, but how well do we survive the refiner's fire? I, know I love the book of Job in the Old Testament. I see the story of Job not so much as a test of Job's faith in God. Will he carry on worshipping God if God allows so much suffering to fall upon him? But rather I see it as a story of God's faith in Job. You see, God knew that although Job was very blessed in the material world, God knew nevertheless that Job's worship was real. But it was only after the testing, and there was a lot of testing, that Job himself and all the people around him knew that his worship was real. It was worship of God for God's sake, not just because God had blessed him. So when we face trials and hardship, we can face it with a different approach. Yes, it's hard. No, it's not something that we would ever yearn for, but we can rejoice in our suffering knowing that it isn't just something we have to put up with like everyone else, but it's actually something that is proving to us that our faith is genuine. Just like gold, which stands the test of the refiner's fire, comes out with no doubt that it is the genuine article so we can face our suffering in a different way, knowing that at the end of it, it will be of great value. Have you ever wondered whether you're really a Christian? Have you come through trials? Are you still worshipping God? Then take encouragement from that. And I'd like to pick up on verse eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Peter was an eyewitness to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He had been there. He'd seen what had happened with his own eyes. But the people to whom Peter is writing had not. They were reading a letter that came from Peter, who was at the point of reading this letter still alive. But even so, they had never seen Jesus. For us, over 2,000 years later, we have not seen Jesus in the flesh. But our faith is not built on someone who we can see with the naked eye. Our faith is built on the word of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the testimony of others. Remember Thomas who said, when I see him, I will believe. And Jesus' reply when he did appear to Thomas was, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who will believe without seeing me. So often I've heard the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. And in some cases, that would be a very wise and prudent position to adopt. But this is a different story. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And because the recipients of this letter believe, Peter points out to them that they have this inexpressible and glorious joy. You know, people not only look to keep their lives free from suffering, but also to fill their lives with joy, with happiness, with fun times. Let's have as many parties as we can in our lives. Let's go on as many holidays as we can. Let's eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we may die. That kind of joy that that produces is fleeting 
and wholly at the mercy of day-by-day events. But Jesus is the source of our joy, and nothing, not even suffering, trials and persecution, can take away that joy. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour has been born today. Jesus is our source of joy. It is a different source of joy than the world can ever give. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm pretty much like the same as everyone else around me. The only difference is, is that I go to church. I'm no nicer than most people I know. My life doesn't look much different to others. But as I've thought about this passage, I've realised afresh that I am different. When we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, and we love him, and we worship him, and we serve him, the reality is that we are very different to those who don't. We hold on to a different kind of hope. We know for sure that we have a wonderful inheritance coming to us with an assurity that is different from any other inheritance. We even suffer in a different way because we know that we are being refined like gold in the refiner's fire. We have a different faith rooted in not who we can see with our naked eye, but in God's word and in his spirit within us. And we have a different source of joy that is not dependent on circumstances alone. It's a no wonder that Peter starts this letter with praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.